Hi everyone, it's the Millennial Biz Scholar and I just thought I'd put, I'll do something. I'm currently in Budapest, coming at you, um, but I have not put out anything this month because it's been a super busy month for me. Um, I've been away in Kenya, um, I've been planning an engagement party and now I am in Budapest. But seeing as it's the last day of January, I thought it was important that I put something out there. Um, so yeah, excuse me whilst I get ready, because we're just about to go out for the day and enjoy the day. So, yeah, just I'm just going to talk to you about what this month has been like and just reflect on some of the things that has happened for me and with me this month. Um, but, um, so yeah, first of all, obviously I started the... I actually, I recorded a video at the start of the month that I've just not gotten around to... Excuse the background noise. Um, we're currently staying on a boat, uh, a hotel in Budapest on the Danube River, if that's how you say it. Uh, and it's quite small, so everything's really close by, and Curtis is in the shower at the moment. But um, I, as I was saying, I. Oh, Curtis. <laughs> Curtis is gonna. Yeah. Anyway, so as I was saying, I'm gonna. Time, <laughs> Curtis is gonna make this video really hard to record. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, so at the start of this month, I actually recorded a video and a podcast that I wanted to put out with Curtis, which is gonna be coming soon, which was just on. Basically, things that we learnt last decade. I've just not gotten around to editing that video yet and that content. But <laughs> essentially, it's coming. Sorry if I stop talking because Curtis is actually distracting me. He just keeps opening the shower. But um, but yeah, we were reflecting on the things that we'd learnt in the last decade, and I just thought it'd be nice to just sort of do that together because um, I'd started reflecting a lot on the last decade I think towards the end of last year I started reflecting on you know what the last decade taught me especially last year as I'd say last year I probably had one of my highest and lowest points ever in life um, and it was a year that really taught me a lot about myself um, and taught me a lot of the things that I need to work on um, not that I ever saw myself as being this perfect person, but I think last year that I realised there's a lot of things that I need to work on that would make my life easier if I was able to sort of nip them in the bud or sort of control them. Like, I think I'm I'm quite a... I can get quite angry and irritated easily. So that's one of those things I think I need to work on more, being more patient, and I hope this year... I learned how to, I learned how to be more patient. Actually, yesterday at the airport, we had a complete mare with Ryanair. Um, mare with Ryanair. Um, we were we booked a transfer with them, and we were waiting at the airport for two hours, and the transfer didn't show up. I didn't get any confirmation email. Um, nothing. 
and it was really stressful it was a really really stressful time but i actually remained really calm through it so much so that afterwards curtis was like oh well done babe like you handled that really well and i'm thinking why is he saying that and i realized because normally in that situation i would you're a maniac <laughs> i am a maniac and in that situation i'd be flipping losing my shit at people um i i, I did lose my temper a bit at, um a travel agent and they were really helpful hence why i'm not gonna necessarily name them because although they it was their error at the start um they were really quite polite and you know stayed on the phone to me and tried to help me but ryanair were not helpful at all i will never be booking a transfer with ryanair ever again um, and then when it all fell through and I was just tired of dealing with complaining, we ended up getting a Bolt taxi and it was cheaper than even a Ryanair transfer in the first place. So word and advice to anyone, look around, shop around before you book a Ryanair transfer. And I say that, but I've always shopped around. It, like, I've always, I've been away with Ryanair before and I've never booked a transfer because I'd always had it, things planned ahead. But I think this trip just sort of sprung up on me because I've been so busy um, this past month that I wasn't booking transfers till I was checking in. I just thought, oh. So, yeah, probably it was my fault for being last minute. But um, at least now I know for the future that Ryanair is not the way to go. Uh, to be fair, I'm altogether probably going to avoid booking flights with Ryanair if I can because they're literally the worst airline and because i've been away so much in the past three months i spent two months in california or in america should i say and i've been to kenya now in budapest i literally have had the the worst journeys with airlines kenya airlines terrible france airport charles de gaulle airport also terrible the staff are rude the people are oh it was just it was the worst time. I don't know if anyone's been through there for a connection anywhere. But the staff don't care. It's slow. And I, I'm not one to sort of feed stereotypes or, you know, engage with stereotypes. But there's this stereotypes about, you know, about French people just being sort of rude. And it was really disappointing that all the staff there were rude. So much so that I even got into a confrontation with a security guard who barged past me and then told me not to touch him, even though he had barged past me. So it felt like he was trying to start a confrontation with me. And it was just, I hated it. But yeah, I've had, <laughs> I've had the worst experience. But when I have bad experience like this, it actually makes me think, um, it makes me think, is it me? Is it them? Um, and I do that sort of, ref I don't know, it's sort of like an an anxious thing to do when you like sort of have like a you know a confrontation with someone and you start thinking oh is it me have I said something you start doubting yourself and I think it's important that when things happen or we do get into arguments with people we reflect on maybe how we could have handled it better but after a while when I'm constantly thinking am I doing something wrong here is the way I'm approaching people wrong it can get a bit sort of um mentally straining so I've tried to when you know when i have had those confrontations reflect on what i could have done better and use it in the next situation but also understand that maybe i'm not always completely to blame maybe it's not always my fault um some people just need to do better um but i think the fact that i've traveled so much and had these confrontations um with people 
caused me to handle the situation yesterday a lot better because it just got to a point where I was like, there's no point stressing, there's no point kicking off. This is the situation I'm in. This is what I've got to work with. And I've just got to move on. I've not, I've not even told you the worst of it, actually. When I was in um, California, I had the worst experience with Spirit Airlines. Um, I had the rudest staff, just... Ugh. Basically, I went, I went to the gate when the the last boarding, and there's been so much queues trying to get, if anyone's been to LA yet, trying to get through. And when I got there, the woman and those two staff from Spirit Airline in LAX trying to saying to me, oh, we've been calling your name. And I was like, well, I've not heard my name as I've been trying to get through um, the gate and security and there's a queue. And I did not hear my name called and I'm here. And they were like, well, people are waiting for you. And I was just like, okay, well, less of the lip, I'm coming. And because I responded back, she walked away from me and told the airline to close the doors and I missed that flight. And which meant that I was going to miss my connecting flight um, in Las Vegas. So yeah, summary of all these terrible airline experiences. There's bits I could have definitely done better. I know I probably need to be less of a last minute <laughs> traveller. I'm very last minute in my travel as I've been told. Um, <laughs> as Curtis was nodding. But at the same time, it's just so stressful to come up people who were just not sometimes willing to sort of work with you and you know just provide the service that they offered Ryanair um so yeah uh but yeah I think that's one of the things that I think I've improved on already this month <laughs> being patient with with bad service I've been doing my eyebrows for ages but I don't feel like they're even but anyway I'll get that sorted out yeah, what else has this mum taught me? So, Kenya. Kenya was an amazing time. I don't even know where to start with Kenya because... <laughs> I'm, don't worry. Um, sorry, I'm talking to guys. But yes, I don't even know where to start with Kenya because it was just all good. Um, but yeah, Kenya was an amazing time. So I went with um, the Racial Justice Network and we were organising... Uh, some workshops, um, activities that were focused on decolonising education and we also organised a conference with the University of Nairobi. Um, it was such an amazing experience simply because it was so good to work with people in a different country and you know sort of that internationalism when looking at decolonising education and I don't know if anyone else gets the same feeling I do when they hear you know the word decolonizing I think it's become sort of a one of those words that's just been thrown around especially with marketing and I guess because I'm in a university I've seen it thrown around a lot with university marketing strategies but not really being implemented entirely effectively um sometimes I think universities just get black speakers or do events for BME students and think that they are decolonising education, but the you know the references we still use, the course is still very much under this sort of white framework, white neoliberalist framework, should I say as well, and you know with white scholars, white lecturers talking about white academics, basically just white academics having a conversation with each other 
a lot of the time. So, um, yeah, so being in Kenya and actually working with local activists and um, the academics there and artists and just looking at how what decolonization looks like when we involve and global south was really interesting one of the things that was quite um surprising and a shock to me was uh the nature of just sort of climate change and watching the effects of climate change in like in kenya as when we were there january was meant to be the the hottest month and the driest month but we were being told that it had been raining since october and when we went to lake Naivasha for um, like a walking tour to see like the animals and we were told that a lot of the fig trees had been falling because it the, of the water logging um and apparently in kikuyu in kikuyu cult like culture kikuyu's um one of the ethnic communities in kenya when a fig tree falls it signifies like um the falling of like someone prominent like a prominent leader or like a political leader or something. So I think some people were prophesying or like, you know, saying that something bad was coming or something was going to happen. Um, and then when we were there, we saw, we started seeing the start of the locust plague, which has become a serious um, problem, I think, since we've left. I mean, it was a serious problem then, I think, but it wasn't getting that much media attention. But since I've been back, I've started hearing about this um um, locust plague in Kenya but yeah we'd seen those locusts and if anyone knows anything about locusts from you know my experience of knowing about locusts or my knowledge came from the biblical um, story of you know Moses and God sending the plagues but yeah they're quite devastating and disastrous um, so I'm not sure um, whether the locust plague was linked to climate change per se but just seeing how the weather itself had changed it just like made me think we always talk about climate change you know especially in in the uk and in the us in in the west generally our talks of climate change just seem to be focused on let's recycle and very much framed from this white perspective but the people it affects the people who live in these countries that are under resourced um and i guess we can see from the you know the thing in the fires in Australia, one of the biggest criticism was that the Aborigine communities were not spoken about. Um, and being in Kenya, it just made me realise there's so many communities in the global south and in other, you know, parts of the world where they really experience the severe, severe effects of climate change, but they don't get, you know, spoken about and we don't talk about them. So that was one of the sort of like one of my biggest takeaways not from the events that we did but just from being in Kenya and hear people talking about um what climate change meant to them because climate change is part of that conversation if we're looking at decolonization because this idea of decolonization really captures not only anti-racism but anti-capitalism and when we're looking at that there's no way we can't not talk about climate change as what's happening with the climate has actually been as a result of capitalism and you know the racism that helps promote and sustain capitalism but anyway I get deep and Curtis wants me to round this up so I can finish my makeup off but yeah so that was just a really um interesting 
uh, it was a really interesting time for me. I love Kenya. I've got <laughs> the people I've met there have now become family, and I'm trying to find a way that we can go every year. And um, Curtis also loves Kenya too, so that makes it. Yeah, his experience was very different. Um, he was part. Of, he was a part of the colonizers when he was there. But hopefully, we can go back and we can have a, a better and more sort of um, family orientated experience. <laughs> Kenya, yeah, and meet all the different families that I've made whilst there. Um, lastly, what I want to talk about was our engagement party. Um, do you want? You don't have to come into the camera, but in three words, summarize the engagement party for you, Curtis. Ooh. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, fun. It was an easy one for me. I had a lot of fun. Um, fun. Family and friends, like it was just nice to see everyone there at the same time. From look from at him, alliteration. Thing. Fun family and friends. You forget I got a, GC, a C in GCSE English, did you? <laughs> I know about my alliteration. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just a nice time to see everyone there together and having fun and enjoying themselves and letting loose. And must I say, my side of the of the party enjoyed themselves a lot more than yours, did you? No, well, I, I think <laughs> Curtis's, yeah, Curtis's family and friends did get down. His mum was on the dance floor, like, Trudy was giving it. Curtis's family and friends were giving it, which I think is really funny because like, we're bringing two <laughs> cultures together. And I thought, like, I did think my friends would be on there, you know, sort of holding it down for me. And they, no, well, <laughs> they came through here and there, but in drips and drabs. Came through when Candy came on, that was me, Junior, and Damini, <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they did come through in drips and drabs, but I'm hoping at the wedding that they they show out, you know. They proper come through because Curtis's friends were on the dance floor the whole night. Pam wine guzzlers, drunk, literally just <laughs> Curtis wouldn't do not want to leave. At the end of the night, I was like, okay, okay, Curtis, we've got to go now. And he's like, I don't want to go. All my friends are still here. And I was like, because they're staying here. It was a hotel as well. And his friends, I literally had to drag Curtis off the dance floor. Um, it got a bit of a telling off as well, but <laughs> that's for. That's for another day. But, it, yeah, that I think summarising what Curtis has said, I think the most, sort of the nicest thing whenever, like, I hold events or, like, have parties, and I think some of the reason why I bother to make an effort to plan parties is because it's nice to, like, see everyone together. And since I'd been away, I think that was the first time I'd been... I'd seen a lot of people and been in the room with, you know, a lot of people that I love at the same time, so... It made me really excited for the wedding um, and to plan the wedding because there was just so many people there that like that were nice to be around and you know sometimes family and friends you need your space in them um, but I think it's also nice when you're able to get together and realise that there's so many people that um, love you and that are willing to just sort of be in your life and show you that they appreciate you and for that I really appreciate everyone who came I really love everyone who was able to like you know sh be there to you know show their support for me and Curtis and the relationship that we're building you know the future that we're trying to build together so yeah it was a it was a great event for me and I'm looking forward to now planning the wedding oh.
yeah i'm looking forward to now planning the wedding um but i've got so much um things to do before i even start thinking about that and i've got so much phd work to do which i'm really excited i'm in my data collection stage at the moment doing interview i say interviews research conversations <laughs> so i'm really excited to sort of build more on my phd work before i even start thinking about planning the wedding but watch this space so like i've said this is just a little summary of my month reflecting on my month but i will make sure i'm more consistent with videos going forward and i will show you some of the except some of the fun things we do <laughs> in budapest but yes what i wanted to end it with is so in kenya when i went in june i learned this um phrase um tukupamoja which in, in which the person you say to responds kabisa um, and tukupamoja means we're together complete always and kabisa means completely so i found this um quite nice because everything i do i do it for <laughs> everything no but in everything i do i sort of recognize how important sort of solidarity is and collectiveness is and collectivity um whilst it's also important to focus on the self-care and these are the things that we you know we spoke about during my time in kenya we also recognize that it's important to focus on the collective care and that every, you know no man is an island we're in this together so i find that phrase really nice so that's how I, how and why I end my checkouts with Tukupa Moja and Kabisa. So checking out, you've been listening to the Millennial Viz Scholar, Tukupa Moja, Kabisa. See ya! <laughs>